The price per share of a stock tells you almost nothing. It's the price to buy one share of the stock, but how many shares does the company have outstanding? In math, we multiply two multiplicands together, but the price per share is only one multiplicand. If you don't know the other one, you can't do any meaningful math or figure out much of the world around you. Fools with a capital F know that you need to know the shares outstanding and then multiply that by the price per share, and now you know the actual full value of the company, its full price tag, its market capitalization, market cap. Well, to teach this lesson inexorably and unforgettably, we invented a game. That's what I do. The date was August 9th, 2017. The market cap game show was born, and we've been playing every quarter since. Oh, and you're playing too. I designed it that way so you can play along against my guest stars, against your spouse or partner, against your kids. Can you outscore my talented contestants? It's that time of the quarter. Again, 10 new stocks, three guest stars, Bill Mann, Emily Flippin, and you. Only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. A delight to have you with us. The penultimate Wednesday of every quarter is dedicated to the market cap game show. Regular listeners are already putting their thinking caps on their belled thinking caps, me thinks, because regular listeners know where we're headed and you're getting ready to play along, but many new listeners may not know exactly what we're doing here. We, you, are about to play a game. The game is all about estimating the values of companies, the market cap, the market's price tag, on that company. Walmart is full of things on its shelves, and they all have price tags we can see and know, but ironically, perhaps many investors don't know the real price tags of the stocks that are available on the shelves of the stock market. We have fun four times a year, this being one of them with talented guest star investors, a quiz show around the market caps of some of our favorite stocks. I mean, what could pull bigger ratings? And you are playing along with us, too. For each of the 10 stocks we're playing with this week, you, as a player, can listen to my guest stars make their best guesses at the market caps of some fun stocks. And you, my players at home, will simply decide that you either agree with the guesses made by Bill Mann and Emily Flippin, or that you disagree. If you make the right call, give yourself a point. We play with 10 stocks, so a perfect score, rarely achieved, is 10 points. You up for it, dear listeners? This is the 25th Market Cap Game Show, the Silver Jubilee Show. I think we are officially now a tradition. And to celebrate this tradition, I have two returning champions to introduce. First, Bill Mann, welcome back to the Market Cap Game Show. Bill, you won last time three months ago in June. You are our returning champion. Two questions for you, Bill. First, what do you do these days around the Motley Fool? And second, what else have you won in your life? When else have you been a champion? David, thanks for having me. So, I am the host of The Morning Show, which is a show for Motley Fool subscribers. It's a live show. You can come and interact with a large number of our uh, annals, including Emily, comes on from occasionally. Occasionally, <laughs> never enough. No, never enough. 
Uh, so I'm also the lead advisor for Motley Fool's Firecrackers Recommendation Service and for Global Partners and for Value Hunters. Thank you, Bill. Well described. And it seems like, are you dodging my question about what else you've won in life? I just wanted you to set me up, I think. <laughs> so, I, it, Bill, what else have you won in life? When else have you been a champion? I guess I need to tell you about the Lance Crumley Cup. So uh, our families gather with a couple of other families and we play these minute to win it games. And one time I went into a trophy store and I asked them, do you have a trophy that someone ordered that they never picked up? And they're like, yes. So they hand a cup and it just says Lance Crumley on the bottom. <laughs> so we compete for the Lance Crumley cup. And I will have you know that the man family is the reigning champion and the holders of the Lance Crumley Cup. And and how is this earned from one year to the next? They're called minute to win it games. So it's things like who can get an Oreo from your forehead to your mouth fastest without <laughs> using your hands? Who can keep a balloon up in the air longest while being shot with a squirt gun? Things of this nature. That is fantastic, Bill. And I'm wonder I'm thinking there's a chance that Lance Crumley is listening right now. He's like, and there's, to pick up there's my an cup. even smaller chance that he might try to reclaim his cup because you finally come public with this. That's right. It is a distinct honor to bear the Lance Crumley Cup, and we do try to uphold the tradition. So, Lance, if you are out there, thank you for forgetting <laughs> to pick up your cup. Emily Flippin, welcome back to the Market Cap Game Show. For the first time in a couple of years, Emily. You are also a past champion, and over our 25 shows, you featured in several of them. Thank you. First, Emily, what do you do these days around The Motley Fool? And second, what else have you won in your life? When else have you been a champion? Well, thanks for having me, David. And it's a reminder about, oh, how the mighty have fallen here. And hopefully I can redeem myself after my couple of years absence from the show. But I'm looking at Bill right now and he's smiling. And I, that little <laughs> bit of doubt is creeping up in me. Uh, but the good news is, is that I don't normally have to compete with Bill on a day-to-day -day basis here at The Fool because I work on Stock Advisor and Blast Off. So two more kind of growth-oriented investing services. Lots of fools probably start off with Stock Advisor. So, you know, definitely a good place to kind of dip your toes in. And the last time I won anything. This is hard because I have this terrible flaw where everything I really love and I care about, I tend to lose. You know, everything I really put my effort in <laughs> don't tend to do that well. But I always win the, the most random things that I could not care less about. And the thing that comes to mind is my family's March Madness tournaments, the Flippin' Family Tournament. We have a little trophy. And every single year we pick our teams. I don't watch sports at all. So I pick teams based off how much I like their mascots, whether or not I, you know, I have good impressions of the university, whatever it, it be. And I have one now for three or four years in a row, just based off of absolutely nothing. Uh, so I guess maybe the March Madness tournament. That is wonderful. I mean, many of us play March Madness tournaments for years and don't win. Emily, it sounds as if this happens fairly frequently in the Flippin' Family Tournament. To be fair, it's not a particularly competitive pool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you do it. And I love, but I'm very sad about this idea that the things that you really care about go away. Yeah, the benefit to that, though, is that I... I'm always trying to be better, right? There's there's never a peak for which I can fall off of. I there's love always it. always something to be striving for. Never towards. settle. Okay, well, fools, let's get started on this Silver Jubilee edition of the Market Cap Game Show. I am excited.
stock number one. Bill Mann, one of the coolest things about American business, to me anyway, but I know to you too, is the stories of corporations that have been around for a long time. They started as some form of caterpillar, nearly unrecognizable to us today because we only know and see the butterfly. Bill, for you, does does any company come to mind where you you know enough about the corporate history to relate how they got started and how they might be doing something totally different right now? One of my favorite stories like that is Nokia, which started out as a boot maker. They, you know, from, what? Yeah, exactly. So, Finnish cellular company, and and. Maybe its best days are behind it at this point. Maybe it's, uh, you know, kind of a old, slightly tattered butterfly at this point. But they made toilet paper, they made televisions, and got into cellular networks and cellular phones very, very late in, in, in the company's history. Sounds like they've got a plan B if the whole cell phone thing doesn't really work out. Back to boots, right? In our Omega is our Alpha. Would you not absolutely rock some Nokia boots? I that? would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, stock number one got started 96 years ago, just a few miles from Fool Studios as an A&W root beer stand. This isn't the quiz. The quiz is, is actually the market cap, as you know, Bill. But do you happen to know what company I'm talking about? You may be talking about Pepsi-Cola. I'm not. Oh. But... Now, I, th- I thought of Pepsi-Cola as starting in North Carolina. Sure, but a lot of times the corporate ah. you know, origins of companies are a little bit different. But All right. So you, what you're saying is that was a terrible guess. No, it, it was a fun guess, but let I'll, I'll now tell you, since I'm about to ask you the market cap, I might as well tell you the company, Marriott Corporation, Marriott International. I'll have a little bit more about this in a sec, but let's cut to the chase here, Bill. What is your best market cap range for Marriott International, ticker symbol M-A-R. I am going to say that Marriott International is somewhere between 49 and $67 billion in market cap. 49 to $67 billion of market cap, Bill Mann says, players at home. And Emily Flippin. Emily, have you stayed at a Marriott property to your, there are like dozens of brands now, but based on your knowledge, have you recently hung out with the Marriott's? I'm sure I have, but I will say I stay in Airbnbs a lot more you know, than I do. That is a threat to the Marriott International Corporation at this point, but uh, I don't think they're suffering too much. But yeah, I understand. Airbnb. And it's funny because when I'm thinking about this market cap, I'm acutely aware of the fact that Marriott is smaller than Airbnb, at least as of the last time that I compared the two. Hmm, very interesting. Well, the question then to you and our listeners at home is, do you want to agree with Bill Mann's market cap range of 49 to $67 billion, or do you want to disagree? I think Bill's probably right on the money, somewhere around $60 billion. I think if he went wrong, he went too small. If I was giving a range, I probably would have gone a little bit higher. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to err on the side of caution and say Bill is probably right about right in that range, yes. And indeed, Emily, you get a plus one because you called it right and Man, did Bill Mann call it right? A good range, although pretty broad. I think Emily really deserves the point because she said $60 billion. It's clocking at $59.85 billion this Tuesday morning as we record from Full Studios. So sometimes it feels unfair to me in this game that somebody comes up with a good answer and someone else just goes, I agree, and they get the <laughs> point. But this time, I feel like Emily earned it. 
I like the fact that it's it's almost exactly at the 50% in between my range. I agree with that almost exactly. I mean, 11 on the downside, 7 on the upside. So those who are math inclined might might disagree, Bill. It was a valiant zero points <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> the Marriott Corporation, get this, was founded by John Willard Marriott in 1927 when he and his wife, Alice, opened a root beer stand in Washington, D.C. Marriott was convinced that the city needed a place to get a cool drink. And so after returning to Utah and graduating from the University of Utah, Marriott purchased the rights to franchise an A&W root beer stand in Columbia Heights here in D.C. The first summer saw brisk business, but as cold weather approached, Wikipedia says, as cold weather approached, they realized the seasonal nature of their business and they received permission from A&W to start selling food. He named the restaurant Hot Shops. That's a brand I remember as a D.C. school kid growing up in the 70s. Anyway, decades earlier, Marriott bought the vacant lot next to one of his Hot Shops, removed the curb, and began offering the first drive-in service on the East Coast. And in 1953, Hot Shops became a public company. I got to go a little bit further with this. Its first hotel, the Twin Bridges Motor Hotel, was in Arlington, Virginia. It opened in 1957. It cost $9 per night, plus an extra buck for every person that was in the car. (laughs) Its second hotel, the Key Bridge Marriott in Roslyn, Virginia, opened the same year. It was Marriott International's longest continuously operating hotel until its closure in July of 2021. Yup, that that big old Marriott that was right across from the district via Key Bridge. I grew up looking at it and going to it. Hot Shops, by the way, was renamed the Marriott Corporation in 1967. I, I have to go just a little bit further and then cut me, please. So Here to go. And no, this is so good. I drove past the Key Bridge Marriott building this morning. It's they're waiting to see what else is, you know, is going to go in there. And to me, the, the company is successful enough and big enough. Why give away the flagship? Why 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 end that? I know probably it wasn't the best location and COVID. A little but tired. I'm a little sad. Yeah, it, it could have it could have benefited from a refresh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. And and many uh, many hearing us right now have never seen this before, but those in and around DC or have visited the Washington DC area maybe can picture this old hotel. Anyway, my last fun fact in 1976, the company opened two theme parks named Marriott's Great America in California and in Illinois. Okay, I'll stop, but we we may just talk about those before we're done anyway. Emily won, Bill, nothing. Let's go to stock number two. Emily Flip and I initially knew you as a Motley Fool intern, then later a Motley Fool stock analyst. And then not too long after that, I learned you were a gamer. And then you beat me at Terraforming Mars, which is one of the best board games of the past 10 years. So I knew you were a good gamer. But now I know you and others in the world will shortly know you as an adventure gamer. Because when CBS's show Survivor debuts next week, Emily, you are on the show. You are in the competition. Am I right? Yes. On season 45 of Survivor, which I guess is a Appearing next week, it snuck up on me. Yep, September 27th, I believe, is the Wednesday night debut of the show. Well, I'm going to want to ask you more about this later in the show, but for now, let's let's get back to stock number two. You're a gamer. You are an adventure gamer. 
now, at least in my mind, a new phrase that I don't think Survivor even uses. But anyway, you're an adventure gamer, but... TM. (laughs) Why not? I mean, we got it first, right? I think we got it. It started here. Are you, have you been a video gamer? I I do greatly enjoy video games, which will make a potential loss here especially embarrassing. And could you just share a couple of the games that you enjoy now or have enjoyed in the past? Yes. I, I love playing cooperative games with my friends. Since the pandemic, that has been probably the most common way that we have interacted. So any sort of like team-based, team-building games are fair game to me and my friend group. So, and do you have multiple going on at once? Are these asynchronous? Are you checking in too many times during the day to play the game? Well, We'll, we'll do one game at a time. We've tried the asynchronous games. They go on too long. But right now we're doing <laughs> Age of Empires 2, which is an extremely old game, but we'll revisit it. That's not that old, Bill. That's a that's an American classic. Anyway, I'm delighted to know that. First-person shooters, Emily? Occasionally, yeah. I nice. mean, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I have played. I've played Fortnite. Uh, it's no Age of Empires, but it gets the job done. It's yeah. pretty fun. Uh, and I don't think you should be, at least on this show, you should not be embarrassed. You should be pounding your chest with pride. Call of Duty? I've never played Call of Duty. Iconic. Actually. World of Warcraft. Of course, played World of Warcraft. Excellent. I think I know where this is going. Excellent. <laughs> yes, you do. So Activision Blizzard, ticker symbol ATVI, which is in the process, I think, of finally being bought out by Microsoft. I was checking the press releases mid-January 2022. Satya Nadella announces the deal to buy Activision Blizzard. That's that's more than a year and a half ago. Here we are in September. But forget about whether the deal will finally be consummated. I think it will. And which day that will actually happen when my shares disappear forever and I have to pay a capital gains because I'm getting paid out by my... Forget about all that. All that really matters right now, Emily Flippin, is your market cap specified range for Activision Blizzard, ticker symbol ATVI. I know it's extremely close to the buyout price, and I'm horribly embarrassed right now because I have two numbers in mind. One is the share price, because I have been closely (laughs) watching the share price as it converges to the buyout price, and one is the market cap. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember which one is which. But I'm not going to give Bill any more hints other than that. So if my market cap is off, please excuse my guess because it's very likely that maybe I'm thinking of the share price. We will excuse that. And it's hard for me to do that because I inveigh against just the share price at the start of each of these market cap game shows. But I do forgive you, Emily. And all three of us know, and many others watching and a lot of Motley Fool members own Activision Blizzard stock. This stock has barely budged for weeks and weeks. It's just kind of sitting there changing by pennies with each passing day awaiting the final consummation of the buyout. Emily, what is your market cap range? $66.5 billion to $70 billion. $66.5 billion to $70 billion. One of the tighter market cap ranges ever given for a large cap stock on this show. Players at home, Bill Mann, agree or disagree with Emily's range of $66.5 to $70 billion? It's higher than that, so I will disagree. And Bill ties the game. Not higher by much, but Bill apparently knows his stuff. I'm impressed. The market cap for Activision Blizzard, $72.67 billion. Just a couple billion above Emily's. Now, Emily, I thought you- the buyout price was $69 billion. Ooh. It's like 77. Oh, the price so that's, is, see, I was thinking of the share price at 90-something yeah. and change. I love your expression, Emily. You were, you were shocked, almost looking slightly horrified. <laughs> uh, check it. I, I might have this wrong, but I rarely get these numbers wrong, double-checking them before each show. So I think I've got that right. You were close. 
But Bill and some of our players at home were closer by saying disagree. Emily, you've got a newsflash. I did. You saw it all over my face because I'm sitting here hitting hitting myself. Um, I'm remembering now that I think I had my buyout price for Activision correct at somewhere around $69 billion, But they did issue a special dividend for shareholders in exchange for the delays that were caused by the regulatory trouble. Ah, okay. Which is probably resulting in some of that extra money. And it made all the difference. And it made all the difference. (laughs) Mainly, Activision just had to satisfy various European objectors. It does seem as if Europe doesn't like some of our big American companies and seems regularly, this is a little bit of a cynic's opinion, to shake down Google and others that seem to be dominating various aspects of European e-commerce. And it's always these American bad guys who are having to constantly pay a few billion here, a few billion there to France or the UK. Am I being cynical, Bill? You're being cynical, but you're in the neighborhood. I mean, European antitrust standards are a little bit different from the U.S. in in that the U.S., you kind of have to show harm to the end consumer. And in Europe, you have to show a competitive advantage. And so it's a little different. But if you think about it, what is Europe getting out of American companies being more and more dominant? Not much. So maybe they are shaking down. Thank you for that. You know, occasionally, it's not just a game show. We provide analysis. Thank you, Bill. Score it 1-1. Let's move on to stock number three. Bill, man, you've traveled many places in the world. Let's skip over popular destinations like London or Tokyo. Bill, share one or two of the more remote or unusual places that you visited. Maybe the most remote place that I visited is the Sultanate of Brunei. Which never, is not on never the been. It's not on. <laughs> <laughs> what what called you to the Sultanate? So a I diplomatic was, mission. CIA. Next question. <laughs> uh, three, You're not two, supposed three. to say that. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> that was a mistake. Uh, I was on a flight. Uh, I was going from Manila to Singapore, and there were a number of ways that I could get from Manila to Singapore, and I noticed that one was through the Sultanate of Brunei, and I thought, this sounds like a thing that would be interesting. And so I flew through there, and I had a very long layover, and there was a guy there with a desk that said, free bus tour. And so I went over and said, I'd like the bus tour, and the guy goes, you know there's no bus. And I said, okay. Well, what do you got? He goes, all right, come around front. So he picked me up in his car and drove me all around the Sultanate of Brunei. And it was a blast. So so you've been to some unusual airports. (laughs) Are you a connoisseur of airports, Bill? There is no such thing as an actual connoisseur of airports. There is a reason. <laughs> there is a reason why as pleasant as an airport has not become in the usual lexicon of the English language. <laughs> I, I guess you're right. I mean, we do have reviews of a lot of things these days. I mean, we have reviews of restaurants. Yeah. We have reviews of plays. We have Yelp reviews of every business going on out there. One thing I don't see, by the way, I think this would be awesome, wedding reviews. How great would it be to be the wedding reviewer columnist at a prominent city paper sitting there passively aggressively reviewing other people's <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe not. But airports, I mean these are phenomena today. These are these are malls. These are these are critical uh, nexuses. Why why I think there's an opportunity for somebody listening to us right now to become 
an airport reviewer. I'm sure they're out there. Oh, yeah. They're actually, uh, airports are ranked, and Seoul ranks very highly, and Singapore ranks very highly. So I'm going to say you are a connoisseur of airports. <gasps> you, you're saying what you just said, so guilty is charged. Bill, have you been to the Cancun airport? Never. Never. Well, that's a shame because Grupo Aeroportuario del Sureste, which bears the ticker symbol ASR, operates nine Mexican airports. I'm going to give a little bit of help to all my players, those at home as well. It is the third largest airport services company by passenger traffic in Mexico. If that helps you, Bill, as you're thinking through your market cap range, not for the Sultanate of Brunei Airport, but for Grupo Aeroportari, Aeroport, <laughs> you, you should leave this, this in. This is I hard. <laughs> this is hard. Grupo Aeroportuario del Sureste. Ticker symbol ASR. We usually just call it ASER just because you don't want to hear my Spanish accent at <laughs> all. ASER. Okay. Bill, market cap range. So they also own the airport in Puerto Rico and they own several Colombian airports as well. So this is a really it's an it's a it's an interesting company. They have a they they have a right to operate the airports for a long period of time. And some of the logistics things that are being added to airports now I think are really interesting. And I'm delaying so that I can think of a number. Yeah, and I'll delay a little bit further. Wasn't there a, a an a political effort recently, President of Mexico, to to take over some of the Mexican airports. Yeah, and and it it really has to do with the fact that the airport in Mexico City is not fit for not fit for standard for okay. a city of that size. So this company is not at risk of having. I checked airports. the stock graph. I didn't see a big drop down that day. No, for, uh, you were Grupo <laughs> Aeroportuario del Sureste. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. I think I speak Spanish with a vaguely Italian accent. Market cap range, Bill. What is that, German? Uh, it is in between $9 billion and $11 billion. Pretty tight market cap range. I never know how much either of my talented contestants is going to know about the companies. I am randomizing from the full 500. That's what I call the 500 most popular stocks that Motley Fool members can see on our screener, on our website for members. We rank stocks by our expected return and their popularity. And I look at the top 500 because I figure those are the fun ones to talk about. And this is one of them. And I feel like, Bill, you, you have a, quite a lot of knowledge about Acer. Have you previously recommended this stock? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm not going to say, Emily, you should default agree with Bill's range of 9 to $11 billion because when people know that you know that they know, there's a whole Princess Bride thing that happens here where you may not exactly say the number because they might go the other way and that might kill you. But that's not going to happen on this show. There's no poison. You are involved in a land war in Asia right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think Bill is playing a little bit of mind games with this range. I think Bill knows that this is a stock advisor recommendation, one that I should be somewhat familiar I with. I didn't know. Thank but you. I think he's also acutely aware of the fact that I would not be able to give a $2 billion range for this company. And he's playing upon my insecurities, <laughs> thinking that I will take the easy road out and default agree with him. But what Bill doesn't know is I'm a contrarian at heart, and I think his range is too high. So I'm disagreeing. Damn. <laughs> I say, you absolutely nailed it. Maybe even the logic, too, but it is too high. We know, do know Bill knows his stuff. He was awfully close. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm not going to say the name anymore. $7.70 billion for ticker symbol ASR, the airport people of Soreste. And Bill. I five. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that I'm I was here confident. to see that because Bill did a great job breaking it down, clearly knows his stuff. Emily then brilliantly looked through what she thought Bill's logic was. I'm assuming she's right. I don't know if she actually had Bill, was that going on in your head? Were you misleading Emily and our, our listeners at home? I knew it was super close, actually. I I, I knew it was somewhere I, I knew eleven was high and I knew nine was going to be one side or the other of the number. Okay, good. Let me update the standings. Emily two, Bill one on to stock number four. Emily Flippin, I know you grew up in Texas. And I remember it wasn't exactly Dallas, Fort Worth, or Houston. But but a little farther out. Where again? McKinney, Texas, just north of Dallas. Just north of Dallas, McKinney, Texas. Emily, would you briefly brag about your hometown? Oh, <laughs> what to brag about McKinney, Texas. It is uh, conveniently located in that weird middle ground between Texas and Oklahoma. Um, not much to do out there, lots of cows, but increasingly people. Um, so, you know, the moment I had the chance when I turned 18, I, I did get out. Give us one. I feel like this is a little bit of a Texas thing to do. Give, give us one solid reason that McKinney is better than Dallas. Oh, there's so many reasons. Well, you give me that. That's a, that's. Well, a save one because I'm about to ask you about Houston as well. We're going after Dallas and Houston, but go ahead. Start with Dallas. Okay. Well, I will say this. Dallas, it's too businessy. Not much to do. If you're a young person, although this might have changed in recent years, you know, it's a little bit corporate. It's a little bit stuffy. Uh, McKinney's suburban, but at least it recognizes that it's suburban. Excellent. And what about Houston. Why is McKinney, Texas, clearly better than Houston? Oh, the armpit of Texas. At least you don't have the humidity. Ooh, Ouch. That's a lot of Molly Fulmerans you just went after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dare I ask Austin? Does McKinney exceed Austin in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, McKinney, McKinney exceeds Austin in current day. Now, Austin 20 years ago. Hard to beat that. Ah, okay. Austin's grown so much that McKinney might actually be a suburb of Austin. Yeah. Well <laughs> <laughs> so, so McKinney may or may not have been a farm town. I, you did, you did say cows. Um, by the way, was the Survivor season set set on a farm this go around? Did you have any? farming tasks. Yeah, I was luckily able to avoid the the cows, the cowboys, the lassoing. Uh, <laughs> none of that struck my way. <laughs> and I know you can't talk too much about a show that has yet to debut, but are you able to share maybe a little bit of a challenge or mini game or interaction that you had? Can you talk about that or not? I can't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Great. And I totally understand. But you have confirmed that there's no farming. Yes, I think that's a safe. All right. It is filmed in Fiji. I can safely say it's filmed in Fiji. Okay. And, you know, I did not interact with any um, Texas livestock <laughs> during my time there. That would be an incredible show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, farms are on my mind because, well, tractor supply company, ticker symbol TSCO, tractor supply, which is one of the better retailers in America at this point. Seems to have been fairly Amazon-proof in that it has grown over the course of time. I'm happy to say, minor spoiler alert, that I recommended the stock just checking it on Stock Advisor on February 17th of 2017. So here we are six and a half years later. It has tripled. The S&P 500 is up 90% over those six and a half years. That's kind of fun just to note on its own. But this has been a good performer. 
Emily, I realize that you work for Stock Advisor. I also realize you're not expected to know every single stock we have under coverage, especially one that I may have picked six and a half years ago. I have two separate numbers that are circling around in my head right now. And I'm debating whether or not I create my range wide enough to fit them both. Yeah. Or if I, you know, pick one and then let Bill try to figure it out. You're doing exactly what we want on game shows as a game show, as now a professional game show. We want people articulating their thoughts and you're doing this really well. Have you ever appeared on any other game shows besides the Market Cap Game Show? I have not, but I will say I did a number of job interviews when I graduated for college, a lot for consulting companies. And they would always ask complicated questions for which I would do exactly what I'm doing now, which is explain <laughs> what's going through my head while giving them absolutely no answers. And I got numerous job offers for just explaining what was happening in that black box head of mine. That is a pro tip. Thank you. That's why I listen to the show. I mean, do the show. Thank you, Emily Flippin. Okay. Oh my gosh. It's a throwdown. This is one of the relatively new rules for the Market Cap Game Show. Bill knows this, remembers this from last time. Emily, a couple years ago, I don't think we were doing throwdown, but here's how it works. It's not just Emily who's going to be sharing her range of market cap as she continues to process what she thinks about the tractor supply company. It's both of you. So two of the 10 stocks randomly have a slightly different mini game. Tractor Supply is the first this show. And here's how it works. Bill and Emily will now each independently write down their best guess at the market cap range for the stock. For them, here's how we score it. If one of them is right and the other's wrong, that is, if the stock falls within one of their ranges but not the other, then, of course, the person who got it right gets plus one. If they both get it right, if it's within both of their ranges, well, whoever has the tighter correct range gets plus one. And if neither of them gets the stock within their range, and Bill, I think you and Jim Mueller managed to achieve this last show. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> if neither gets the range right, well, whoever gets closer to the actual market cap gets that plus one. Now, for my players at home, I've made this really simple. I've simplified this for the first time with this show. Players at home, after each contestant names their range, all you have to do is just pick the one you think is better. Name Emily or name Bill. Simple as that. You'll score with them. Players, are you ready? I believe I am. Excellent. So... Their pens are starting to hit the post-it notes that we rock here around Full HQ, and I have too many of these all around my study at home. Tractor Supply, again, is a, a livestock advisor recommendation, a company founded, by the way, in Chicago in 1938 as a mail-order catalog that sold tractor parts. This is a, kind of what you'd expect. This is not a caterpillar to a butterfly story, <laughs> Bill, man. There's no A&W root beer stand here. I will say they've moved from Chicago to Brentwood, Tennessee, where they're headquartered now. Seems like a more logical place for a for a retailer that uh, specializes in gentlemen farmers Yeah, would be. Yeah, and uh, they have a lot of sales these days just for pet owners as well. So it's not just for for farmers and you're both not has either of you been to a tractor supply company store i i went as an excuse to do some stock research a number of years back and was just amazed <laughs> at, at it, it really it, it's a lifestyle that's the only way i can use to describe it's it fantastic. yeah i've been to one as well and i was i was i was taken by it was one of those places where many of the items are big ticket and 
they are doing a lot of commerce in each store. And it's clearly working. And it's time to find out your market cap ranges. We're going to turn to Emily first. Emily, what have you written down on your green post-it note? I wrote down $15 billion to $21.5 billion. $15 billion to $21.5 billion. And Bill, what I about you? $17 billion to $24 billion. Wow. <sighs> really cool. Pretty cool meeting of the minds. So this is really interesting. Um, one of you is going to get a point. The other was close, but does not get the point. Players at home, now is your time. Are you with Emily or are you with Bill? I'm going to give you three seconds to articulate out loud the name of the person that you're choosing. Okay, you're locked in as well. The correct answer is the market cap for the tractor supply company is $22.99 billion. That is within Bill's wider range of 17 to 24 billion just outside Emily's 15 to 21 and a half plus one bill man good job I I can't believe I got that one right I had no idea really I, I had no idea well you did widen the range a little bit which I did. suggests a little bit of a lack of confidence but you widened it just thank you enough. David <laughs> yeah you know what we don't always need to assert with confidence yeah. to win sometimes we go in unsure and we we win because we brought humility, Bill. Humility, a word regularly used right next to Bill Mann's name <laughs> on, on one side you or the other. You would be shocked at print. how humble I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awesome at humble. I don't think you need to be humble after scoring a plus one, bringing the game to Bill to Emily to players at home. Do you have four? You could have four at home. You may be winning. Let's go to stock number five. Bill, does the name John Mashita conjure up any memories? John Mashita Jr. It does not. Does he owe me money? Probably not. Okay. Although I couldn't ultimately say. John Mashita, at various points, has been called the world's fastest talker. In fact, he's in the Guinness Book for speaking 586 words per minute. How fast do you type? 586 words per minute. Tachylalia, by the way, is extremely rapid speech. John Mashita Jr. did a famous commercial for this company in the 1980s speaking. You can look it up on YouTube. Just Google FedEx 1980s commercials, and you can't miss John Mashita talking incredibly fast, landing finally with the tagline when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight, which this company, stock number five, FedEx, was rocking in the 1980s. Do you remember those ads? I absolutely yeah. remember those ads. Yeah. John Mashita had a kind of a run where he was on some talk shows and other things. And I think he voiced some characters for movies and still living. And he's 12 years older than I am. John Mashita is, he turned 69 on August 6th of this year. He is an American. Other names he's known by, fast talking guys. Some people have called him Motormouth <laughs> in the past. John Mashita, but we're, we're turning our gaze back to Federal Express. Once the Federal Express company, now FedEx, ticker symbol FDX, when it, Bill, absolutely, positively has to be there overnight. The internet, by the way, was invented in between the 1980s and now, and so a lot of things, email, for example. That's right. Like overnight? <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's slow. <laughs> yeah, regularly I'm clicking something on Amazon today. It's like, okay, God, you're going to get 7 to 10 p.m.? I'm like, I don't even need a nighttime delivery of this thing, but I guess somebody's going to bring it, and they do. They do. And I, sometimes maybe they use FedEx, but Amazon has its own logistics going on these days as well. FedEx, Bill, your market cap range. I know that they have had a, a fairly extraordinary amount of competition from companies that – for one, at one point in time, they were providing service to. So it uh-huh. is it is a coopetition environment uh, with a lot of these companies that have in-house logistics and companies like UPS and FedEx. I believe that the range is seventy six billion to eighty nine billion. Seventy six billion to eighty nine billion players at home. Players at home are observing both of you. That's part of what happens on this show. We listen and we learn from you, and we now know that you're tied two to two. So there's not strong reason to necessarily agree with either of my talented contestants. They're deadlocked right now at two to two and 76 to 89 billion. Emily, I see you staring. I was going to say off into space, but it really, it's really at our wall. And you're thinking <laughs> <right>. deeply. <laughs> you're thinking deeply about this. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of Bill being right? Or wrong. It's a hard game because when you don't know, and in my case, I don't know with FedEx, I should know another stock advisor recommendation, but I don't. I only have Bill's behavior to go off of. So I'm staring at the wall trying to evaluate <laughs> the laugh that Bill has. You're not playing FedEx, you're playing Bill. I'm playing Bill. This is how you have to play the market cap game show. You don't know the market cap, you need to know your, your opponent. Um, But I will say the market cap range Bill gave was tighter than I would have expected, smaller than I also would have expected. But Bill has been incredibly accurate, incredibly accurate and incredibly tight with his market caps. And I did very little preparation for today's show. I'm starting to get the sense that Bill might have overprepared for today's show. Um, So I'm I'm going to do the opposite of what I did last time. Oh, do I want to, though? You do. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I'm going to. I'm terrible. No, I'm terrible. I think, it's too, I think it's too small. I think I think FedEx is larger than what? Eighty nine, eighty six billion dollars. He says seventy six to eighty nine. And listeners at home, you're making the call right along with Emily right now to agree or disagree. It's such a tight range, but I can't help but feel my gut is telling me FedEx is bigger. So I'm, I'm going to have to disagree. Plus one for Emily, and yet you didn't even have it right. Oh, no. It's smaller, but that's part of the beauty of the market cap game show. And players at home. Undeserved point. Players at home, if you disagreed with Bill's range, give yourself a plus one. The market cap for FedEx is $63.76 billion. This is a stock, by the way, that over the last 25 years, it's been up, it's been down. You would think it's kind of lived through a golden age where all of a sudden we're all delivering a lot more than they once were. They used to be delivering documents competing against the fax machine for being absolutely positively there overnight. But these days, the internet came along. They're helped and hurt simultaneously. This stock has basically tracked the market since the late 80s. For periods, it's been ahead of the S&P 500's return, but more recently, it's been a little bit below. It's just about dead on with the market over these many, many years, which means it's a good investment, by the way. If you just left it in there, I think there's a dividend there. You're getting paid and you're not actually jumping your money in and out of the market. So you're getting all of that market's return by patiently buying and holding what I think of as a great American global company, one with a smaller market cap than either of you thought. 
$1.76 billion. Again, if you disagreed with Bill, give yourself plus one. Emily, as we move to the halftime follies, you're up three to two. Right on to stock number six. Emily, tough question for you, but as a speech and debating champion, which you didn't mention earlier, but anyway, I know that's part of your past. You're used to shrugging off tough questions like like water off a duck's back. Do you believe the age of crypto is now in the rearview mirror or is still ahead visible through the windshield down the freeway? I think it's still ahead. I'm not, doesn't mean I'm a big fan, but I think it's still ahead of us. Yeah. Any crypto purchases on your part over the last several years? Um, I try to match my recommendations with my own portfolio and then blast off myself alongside Aaron Bush did recommend both Ethereum and Bitcoin and sticking with both of those. I, I did purchase them. Not big fans of those investments, but I still own both of them. Any NFTs of your own? Did you ever dip into that market? Absolutely not. Why not? Um, I, I really don't like to buy things that I can't conceptualize. And I, you know, I have a hard time conceptualizing them. Were any of your survivor competitors seemingly into, maybe even obsessed with crypto? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> <laughs> well, this company came public in April of 2021 when Bitcoin was $55,000 a Bitcoin and is now $25,000 a Bitcoin. Coinbase Global. Ticker symbol C-O-I-N. And I'm looking at your expression. Viewers at home can't see this, Emily. I'm not trying to tilt their answer, but you don't look confident. You look a little bit surprised. Horrified, I think. I'm kicking myself because I wear my emotions on my face and I forgot that this is a competition. So now Bill Bill knows my cards here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so do listeners at home. They're entitled to. So, Emily, I'm going to ask you for your market cap range for Coinbase Global. Their ticker symbol is C-O-I-N. If my memory serves, and this is a long time ago, I think this company went public at something like a $50 billion valuation. It was up there for a long while. Um, And that might even be on the low end. I would imagine it's much lower today. The share price has moved in lockstep along with the price of Bitcoin, given how much of their revenues are derived from retail traders and how much retail traders tend to trade based off the price of Bitcoin. And I want to say, prior to any numbers, that I agree with all of the things you just said there. I think you're... This is me covering my bases. You're barking up the right tree right now. Yes. And this is this is me trying to explain to our listeners that I understand the <laughs> fundamentals of Coinbase's business, even if I may not understand its market cap. Um, for that reason, I'm going to give a decently wide range. I'm going to say 15 to... $23 billion. 15 to $23 billion, Bill Mann, players at home. Do you want to agree or disagree? I'm going to agree with Emily that it is within that range. And we're tied because, Bill, you're right. And, Emily, that was a pretty darn good call like for 16. somebody who, who seemed to be swimming around looking for a life preserver <laughs> briefly as you thought through that. But the market cap is $19.57 billion. This stock, by the way, down... from its IPO less than three years later. So it's been some hard times for, yeah, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the United States by by trading volume. Before we move on to stock number seven, 
Bill, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share on crypto? Emily's already given her view that we're not looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking through the front of the windshield. I'm not a fan. I mean, I maybe that makes me an old guy. You know, you know, old guy shouts at clouds. Uh, <laughs> no, it doesn't make you an old guy. You're allowed to have an opinion, however old you are. There are certain places where a cryptocurrency is going to be highly beneficial, and that is, you know, again, as an internationalist, uh, places where where their currencies tend to be devalued very quickly. I have yet to see a, a a use case globally that really balances out the amount of power and resources that are used to generate uh, most cryptocurrencies. All right, fair enough. We're going to leave that right there. This is not the crypto show. This is the market cap game show. Let's go into stock number seven. If I've been totting this up right, I believe it's three to three. And some of our players at home may have four or more at this point. And if you do, I think you should definitely tweet that out. I'm sorry, post that out on X. All right, let's move on to stock number seven. Bill, I just asked Emily a tough question. And so now you get a tough question. Are you ready? I'm worried. What's the best? And I mean the best streaming show. It's the bear. The bear. Have you have you watched the bear? I have not yet. There's so many shows, but give a skinny. Give us 30 seconds of why the bear is the best streaming show. So it is about a a classically trained chef who has come back from a three-star. I have watched the first episode. Keep yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A three-star restaurant to take over his family's failing Chicago restaurant with a no not small number of dysfunctional employees, a, 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 a place that is beloved, but it is operating by the skin of its teeth and making it up as it goes along. The character development in this show is as good as I have seen in any show in years. I love it. French Laundry, I think. He was that that um, storied California restaurant. I think he came back. This is all fiction. This is not this is not a documentary. Which is rough because in one of the episodes, they basically give his uh, the executive chef at the restaurant, he had been, a very bad reputation. So I, I think they've been a little cagey about which which one it actually was. But yeah, it, it is it is entirely, it's uplifting and yet stressful. You feel, you, you feel all the time like things are just about to fall apart. It is wonderful. And I have watched the first episode and I can't even remember which of my streaming services that I click on my Roku or my PS5. That which, where does it stream again? I think it's Hulu. I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat. I- we'll leave that one right there. I love it. Before I ask you about Netflix's market cap, Bill, an even tougher question: What's the most overrated streaming show? What's the one that, in your mind, too many people clearly have just gotten wrong, confused, or seduced by? Oh gosh, I, I, I really, really could not watch The Tiger King when it came out. <laughs> Can I say something maybe even more controversial? Yes. I, 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 I liked it, but I think that the, that, that the love for Ted Lasso was, was pretty overdone. I mm. didn't think there was great character development. Like, mm. like, I loved all of the characters, and I watched every second of it. But, you know, I, 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 felt, I felt like it was a little thinner than the, the, than the reputation uh, the show left with. All right. Well, Netflix uh, 
did not feature Ted Lasso, did feature the Tiger King, did not does not feature the bear, but Netflix is stock number seven. Bill Mann, your market cap range for this streaming juggernaut. Netflix, ticker symbol NFL, means something else this time of year. NFL, X. Oh, my gosh. So Netflix is a key member in uh, our morning show, Menomina set of stocks, um, which is our own take on the, uh, you know, the, the most important company. So you'd think I would have the market cap directly at hand. I know it is the smallest of those eight companies. Um, I believe that it is somewhere between $130 billion and $166 billion. $130 to $166. Emily Flippin, players at home, agree or disagree? Gosh, yeah, this might ironically be the one that I'm the most off on, too. It'd be hilarious if I'm closer on something like Tractor Supply than <laughs> <right>. on Netflix. <laughs> it moves so much, right? It, like, it, yeah. it, I, it genuinely does, and I yeah. think that's part of the reason why it's hard to keep your pulse on a lot of these, these I would call them mega-cap companies, mm-hmm. um, Netflix being one of them. But the number that was coming up in my head was much closer to $200 billion. So for that reason, I'm going to disagree. Plus one for Emily. It is one hundred seventy-six point nine seven billion. About well, eleven billion higher than the top end of Bill's range. One thirty to one sixty-six. One seventy-seven billion, basically. Well done, Emily. Plus one. Emily four. Bill three. We've got three stocks oh, left. Feel Nef- the pressure. Netflix, by the way, a two hundred bagger and counting for Stock Advisor members since two thousand four. And a lot of us, I am anyway, still holding. All right, on to stock number eight. Emily, for stock number eight, here's what the CEO said of their earnings. As reported earlier this month, you tell me to stop when you know the company. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Quote, I think what we're seeing in the enterprise is really an orientation to solution-based purchasing. It's about, hey, I need a seat. I need 100 seats. It's more what can you do for my business to drive efficiency? And we're seeing it on a couple of fronts. I'm going to keep going. Some businesses are trying to explore new revenue streams. We had a Fortune 15 company buy our brand folder technology to basically repower their website. That's all about expanding their online footprint. I'm going to keep going. Bill, buzz in too if you like here. We have other companies who are trying to scale and drive down the cost of certain activities. And what's come across those is that those are not episodic purchases. Those are very planful. This feels like Salesforce. This Good feels guess. like every enterprise software company. <laughs> and, 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 uh, I'll just finish it out with, those are people putting together programs and processes at scale and trying to figure out what technology can get them to the fastest point of execution. And that's what we've been selling. I'm going to stop there because it doesn't get much more interesting from that. (laughs) (laughs) Brand Folder was a $155 million acquisition. A tuck-in for this company might help you think about the market cap a little bit. Brand Folder, by the way, is a platform to share stock and track digital assets. So yes, this is a SaaS company. I'm not going to make you guys guess. That's not. I just want you to guess the market cap for ticker symbol S-M-A-R. The company is Smartsheet. And yes, that was not the CEO. That was me performing the CEO. It wasn't my favorite role, but I wish them the best at Smartsheet, ticker symbol S-M-A-R. Some jargon. You did bring some gravitas to the role. Thank you. Thank you. I definitely don't want that role, but it's just because I've never wanted to be a CEO. That's not a job that I think would be a lot of fun. I realize a lot of people aspire to it. 
Uh, it's an interesting company, Smartsheet. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like taking Microsoft Excel and making it into a business process tracking and run your whole team kind of a uh, an application. Emily, what is your best guess at the market cap range for Smartsheet, ticker symbol S-M-A-R? This is actually a recommendation in one of the portfolios that I manage at Blastoff. It was brought to the Blastoff portfolio by Dave Meyer, who is a lot more familiar with the company and probably the market cap than I am. But I'll give you a range of 8 to 12 billion. All right, some round numbers to work with, Bill, man. 8 to 12 billion. She didn't didn't even add a decimal. She could have, but she chose, it seems like she chose not to. She wanted you to have some round numbers to work with. 8 to 12 billion. Players at home, Bill Mann, agree or disagree? She decided to put me on the horns of a dilemma is what she decided Mm. to do. Did you have a round number in your head? I think it's bigger than that. I'm going to disagree, and I think it's bigger. Plus one for Bill, again, for being on the wrong side of it, but getting it right. It is something that happens on this show, and we kind of love that about this show. Plus one for Bill, it was outside Emily's range, but Smartsheet is smaller as a company. The market cap for this company, $5.62 billion. I may have thrown you both off a little bit by mentioning that $155 million acquisition. I don't know if that did or not. Nine-figure acquisitions imply a certain heft or size on the part of the acquisitor, and so I thought maybe I tilted you too high, but it doesn't really matter. To know, to be to be frank, um, I knew I did not know the market cap of this company. I had a general idea. I thought it was a little bit less than ten billion, which is why I gave that range. But now that I'm reflecting upon some of its recent share price movement, I'm reminded about the fact that the valuation for this company, along with so many enterprise software companies, has come down recently. Yeah, and I will say that this company IPO'd in 2018. Its stock is up 120 percent since, so that doubles up the market averages. The market up 60 percent since that 2018 IPO. This company up. 120%, but it's also true that it's well down from its COVID highs of 80 to its present perch just above $40 per share. Enough about Smartsheet. Let's move on. It's four to four. You both have to make a commitment not to tie because we'll have to have an extra round and we're <laughs> running out of time. So try not to tie. Let's go to company number nine, Bill, world traveler that you are. Student of foreign markets. Ever been to Romania? I have. I took my children on a Dracula tour in Romania. I mean, that is so rad. What a dad. You did that? It was awesome. Did you fly to Romania just to do that? Or was that just um, a stop along the train? That was, uh, we had been in Austria and we flew and celebrated New Year's uh, along with Vlad the Impaler. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you are the only friend I know who could say such a thing and actually have done it. And that is that is pretty great, Bill. Do you know of any companies that started in Romania and are now on the New York Stock Exchange? I know of one that started in the Ukraine and it is on the New York That's Stock not this one. Okay. We'll keep moving. UiPath, ticker symbol P-A-T-H, in April of 2021 – UiPath became the first Romania-born company ever to list on the New York Stock Exchange. It was launched, by the way, in 2015 with a team of 10 people based in Bucharest. Fantastic. And it was public. Three to go. And it was public six years later. This is an amazing story. But forget about the story for now. Bill Mann, what is your best guess at the market cap range of UiPath, ticker symbol, PATH? All of that makes me wonder what I've been doing with my time, first of all. 
so UiPath, uh, I am going to say it is somewhere between four point four billion and seven point one billion dollars. Four point four and seven point one. So Bill starting to add decimals, complicating the formula. Emily, four point four to seven point one. Players at home agree or disagree. You are throwing me some softballs here because this is another stock advisor recommendation, admittedly from a team I don't work on, which is a team everlasting on Tom's side of stock advisor. But I am at the risk of horribly embarrassing myself, fairly confident that it's larger than that. And give Emily and those who agreed with Emily a point. Again, you're both pretty dialed in. I am really impressed by all of your market cap guesses. This show, I mean, they're not really guesses, right? <laughs> right? Uh, the correct answer is $9.92 billion. So that is, in fact, bigger than Bill's stated range of 4.4 to 7.1. Robotic process automation services. The path has been pretty much straight down for this company. I regret to say $80, $70, $60, $50, $40 dollars a share. One year after its IPO, $30, $20. And for the past 18 months, bouncing around in the teens, really quickly, before we go to our last stock, uh, really quickly, what kinds of signs would you both be looking for in a stock like this one to perk back up business or balance sheet? I'm just curious, what are you looking at for, this is a, a company, it's still a $10 billion company that was only born eight years ago. It's a remarkable story. The stock has basically gone from 80 into the teens. What sort of thing do you look at, Emily, to decide if you would buy at this point? Well, just resiliency. I feel bad for companies like this that have big, big ideas born at a time where it's hard to be an unprofitable um, upcoming business in this market environment. So you really want to just, in my opinion, see a resilient management team with a clear long-term strategy. I think that's it. I mean, a lot of times uh, management teams, especially in a company like this that has only existed for a short period of time, they learn a ton once they have come public and it changes everything. And it's why I tend to stay away from IPOs because I think that there's a there's a learning path that does happen. So I think that what, one of the things that you want to see from a business now, just as Emily alluded to, is a management team that's, that, that hasn't panicked, that is, that is using what is a weak market period uh, you know, to retrench itself. Thank you. And I will note that this company, the stock is up 25% over the last year versus the market's 15%. So it's been rattling around in the teens for more than a year, but it's, it's, it's bouncing back a little bit. Interesting one to watch. Well, let's move on to the final stock. We think, unless you tie, stock number 10, Emily 5, Bill 4. Emily, surely, like every other red-blooded American, you have some interest in, some past with, amusement parks. Am I right? I do love amusement parks. And why do you love amusement parks? The thrill. You know, I'm a, I'm a thrill seeker at heart. So it's the adventure, it's the fun, the food, the environment. What's not to like? Do you have a favorite? Oh, that's it. I mean, I was, I was being raised in Texas. I think Six Flags is the one that comes to mind most immediately. All right. Now, Salim Basul, former CEO of Middleby, and uh, he served us a little bit on the board briefly here at The Motley Fool, the CEO of Six Flags, a really interesting company to be looking at right now. Changing gears for a quick sec, Emily, speaking of amusing, was being on Survivor amusing? <laughs> I'm 
You know, there's so many choice words I could use to describe my experience. I'm not sure if amusing is the one that I, I would choose, though. Okay, well, no spoilers. And I think since I say no spoilers, you can't actually say anything. But I'm still going to ask the question. Can you share with me a high point of greatest fun that you may have had, even just during the filming, maybe not even on the show, a high point of fun and then maybe a low point of least fun, your experience on Fiji? Oh, I love this question because I think my answer is the same for both of those questions, which is you learn a lot about yourself. And I definitely came out of the experience and I felt like I I knew the good parts about Emily a lot better than I did going in. But I also knew the bad parts about Emily a lot better All than right. I did going in. So no spoilers. And again, looking forward to seeing the debut next week, Wednesday, September 27th on CBS. All right, let's get, I I asked fun for a very specific reason. I see Bill already nodding his head because the ticker symbol of Cedar Fair LLP is fun. This company has been public for a couple of decades. It's been around for a long time. I have a fun factoid to share right at the end, but this is a throwdown round, which means both of you are getting ready to write down on the other side of your green post-it note your best guess at the market cap for Cedar Fair, ticker symbol FUN. All right, Emily, I'm going to turn to you first. What is your market cap range for Cedar Fair? I wish you hadn't, um, <laughs> because I gave you a range of 8 to $20 billion. I haven't the first clue. It's a wide range for a longstanding company that apparently Bill may know better, but we can't say for sure because our listeners at home have yet to make their selection. Bill, what is your range for Cedar Fair? I wrote, and by the way, Cedar Fair is my favorite amusement park in the world. It's in the Middle West, right? It's in near Sandusky, Ohio. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic. And October is coming up. They have a great October uh, Halloween-themed period of time. Love it. Take the kids. Take the kids. <laughs> Vlad the Impaler once, Sandusky next. <laughs> That's right. I wrote $600 million to $1.3 billion. All right, listeners at home, do you side with Emily, 8 to $20 billion. Do you side with Bill, $600 million to $1.3 billion. Answer three, two, one. Say the name. All right, you're locked in as well. Here's the answer. Cedar Fair's market cap is $2.02 billion. So actually in between your ranges, neither of you had it, but Bill was definitely closer with his $1.3 billion top measure. Cedar Fair, by the way, October 1987-ish, so just coming out of the crash, stock was like $5 a share. Today it's $40, so it's been an eight-bagger. Bad news, the market's a 15-bagger over that, over that time. It's up 1,400% plus. This company was beating the market well as of 2018, a long run, but COVID, ouch, 55 to 15. It's bounced back to 40, but um, yeah. So we have a tie. Those who said, Bill, you were right. We're at five to five. Quick trivia before we go to our overtime 11th stock, the famous World's Columbian Exposition of 1893, that's the World's Fair in Chicago, featured the first steel Ferris wheel. A grand sight. It was much higher than the buildings around it. Amusement park as a phrase would first be used four years later in 1897. 
I also want to note in our Omega is our Alpha. This is a really fun coincidence since I randomized which stocks we play with, then I randomized their order. And it just so happens that in our Omega is our Alpha because we let off with Marriott International, the former A&W root beer stand. And I mentioned earlier in the show that in 1976, Marriott actually launched two theme parks called Marriott's Great America. Well, the one in California has been owned and operated by Cedar Fair since 2006. And so, you know, just wanted to point that out. All right. We have a rare 11th stock. That's because my players are tied five to five. You at home may have already won. If you have six plus, walk away right now. End this podcast. You don't need to hear the end because you have already won. But Bill and Emily are tied. So we're going to go to Moderna. Moderna, of course, the the COVID vaccine superstar drug maker, in the news recently for a reason I won't say because that might tilt your answer. This is a throwdown. That's the only way sudden death we can end the market cap game show when it's a tie. The ticker symbol is MRNA. Emily and Bill. I'm going to turn to Bill first. Bill, what is your market cap range for Moderna? I believe that it is somewhere between 31 and 41 billion dollars. Emily, 31 and 41 billion. What do you got? Oh, well, maybe I'm crazy, but I have a range of 65 to 95 billion dollars. 65 to 95 billion players at home, those who might still be tied with Bill and Emily who didn't walk away from this podcast a minute ago. <laughs> is we it- can't the doors locked. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, you can't. Is it Bill's 31 to 41 billion or do you want to side with Emily? And her 65 to 95 billion, you need to say one of their names. Three, two, one. All right, you're locked in as well. The market cap for Moderna is 39.21 billion inside Bill's range of 31 to 41. Bill, man, you have in overtime won this Silver Jubilee edition of the Market Cap Game Show. I am now the holder of the Lance Crumley Cup. <laughs> And the Silver Jubilee crown. I could not be more proud. (laughs) Emily, that was super fun. That was amazing. Congrats, Bill. Thank you both. The final accounting is then this. Bill, five and a half. Emily, five. But Bill and Emily and I know that we're not playing this game for each other. We're playing it for you. How did you score, dear fool? Dear listener at home, we hope that you outscored all of us. The purpose of the Market Cap Game Show is to make more popular. I'm never going to say as popular as a as a TV reality show, but to make more popular market caps, the real value of stocks on the market that most people don't understand, except that you do understand because you just listened to us for about an hour, and I hope you scored at least a few points this week and maybe beat one or both of our competitors. Bill and Emily, you both distinguish yourselves, again, as worthy champions. Bill, there still is no crown, but you have the crown. (laughs) Congratulations from Marriott to Cedar Fair and everything in between with a COVID vaccine thrown in. Well, again, thank you to my guests, Bill and Emily. A quick reminder, next week is the Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag, rbi at fool.com, our address. If you have reactions to today's show, including any past game show appearances you may have made, dear listener, perhaps thereby hangs a tail, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you were moved in some way by my fantastic conversation with Arthur Brooks last week, or our stock stories the week before, or my authors in August. I'd love to hear your questions, reflections, stories, thoughts. Send us an email, rbi at fool.com, or you can tweet us. 
I mean, post to us on Twitter. I mean, X, where we are at RBI Podcast. In the meantime, Emily, thank you. Thank you. Good luck in Fiji. I appreciate it. Bill, thank you. Thank you, David. To our listeners at home, thank you and Fulon. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com. 